All right. Well, hey, without further ado, we are going to jump into the sermon here. And uh, we are, as Maggie said, in this, in this series called Summer in the Psalms. And one of my favorite things about it, other than God really speaking to us and ministering to us the Psalms, is that we've had some in-house communicators that have been sharing the things that God's put in their heart through these messages. And uh, we're going to keep that trend going. We got this Sunday, and then we got next Sunday, and we are done with this series here. Uh, but this morning, you guys are in for a treat. We got the one and only Jeremy B.R. So give it up for this mighty man of God. Come on, Jeremy. Yeah! Up here? All right, I'm going to pray for Jeremy real quick, and then we'll get going. He, he likes to stage up here. This is great. Lord, thank you so much for Jeremy, and I just pray, fill him. Lord, fill him with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the words you've given him today. Thank you for what you've been stirring inside of him. And God, I pray that we would receive what your Spirit wants to deposit inside of us today. So, Lord, minister to us, speak to us, let us have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Have fun, dude. Amen. Hey, I'm just trying to serve you guys so that you can see me, all right? I got a big head and small legs, all right? I'm excited this morning. Actually, a little bit super excited. Woke up this morning, did some leg press just for you guys. I got pumped up, and then I went to our sunrise service, which none of y'all attended. It was crazy. I was here, 5.15 to 6.15, preached, and the ministry time, I mean, you should have seen the response, because this one person just gave his life to Jesus all over again. It was amazing. Uh, so we're here to do it again, round two this morning, just for you guys. I came back. Um, happy Sunday. I am excited to be here. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur. If you want to know more about that, you can just go to jeremybr.com. All right, that's not even a joke. That exists. And my wife and I and our two sons are in a family life group here. We uh, have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Four-year-old's named Beckham. Two-year-old is Hudson. We just went on a vacation to Waco and then to Houston. Made it back here uh, midnight Wednesday night. Yep. And there were some points that were so fun. I mean, just Airbnb, six adults, seven kids aged zero to four. It's just eventful. You know, only one trip to the ER. Like, I played an amazing round of disc golf, and I crushed my friend Christian. And you could see the demoralization on his face. It was awesome. And that might never happen again in my life, guys. Um, but I tell you, it was a long, it's a long car ride from, from Houston back. It's supposed to be about eight and a half hours. We did it in a quick 13 hours. And there were a point, there was a point or two where there was some restlessness going on behind me in the back seat, some irritability. And, you know, if you're a parent and you've had, like, littles, like, you got to come with the plan if you're going to try to drive from Houston to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Like, you... You, you got the things ready, and you don't pull them all out right away, okay? You, you, got the, you got them in the bag, all right? Here we go. Here's the next thing. We were out of things, and we had, like, only been driving for three hours, okay? And only made the distance of, like, an hour and a half worth of drive. We had already stopped, I think, three times. It was like, come on, Lord. And I said, wait a minute, guys, who wants me to tell you some things that I like about you? And Beckham goes, me. And I'm like, wait, 
let me tell you two things that I saw about you in Waco that made me so proud. And so I told two things to Beckham. And at the time, I had zero in my mind. I'm like, Lord, this is when you come through, okay? Because I'm not just going to say, like, you look nice, you know? Like, I need a real encouragement. So help me observe the things that I didn't actually observe in the moment. But now I might contemplate because here I am. And boom, two, two, two. We got family members taken care of. And they were silent the whole time. They were listening. And then Beckham said, Dad, I want you to tell me those things again. I want you to say those things. And so I did repeat the same ones to him. And so, hey, that was a highlight for sure. And y'all might not have littles, okay? But if you've ever been on a road trip, maybe one person in the car is a little bit too talkative. They think the whole thing has to be social. Like, just say, hey, can I just tell you some things that I like about you? And they will be quiet and listen to you. That's free. That's free. And if, the more you got, the more silence, at least from their voice, that you will uh, be benefited by. Any other introverts here this morning? What's up? What's up? Speaking about encouraging others, I want you to take a second right now and think about someone that encourages you. Now, think about a different person, because you probably thought about someone that you know, and I'm thinking, like, someone that's not alive anymore, like a biblical hero, like the most inspiring Christian that's ever lived in human history, someone that uh, you just really admire this person, just they are that person. Does everyone have a person? You can have more than one. Now, I want you to imagine if you or someone, un- like, found their stack of journals. Like, here is chronicled their conversations with God. Boom. Here it is. And it's not weird, it's not creepy, there's not a paywall, like, you are invited to gleam from these journals to learn what was on the inside of this person that from the outside seems so admirable. Wouldn't that be amazing, and wouldn't you learn a lot, right? I know for me, I would learn a lot, but the things I would learn, I'd be less interested in, like, the actual content. Like, what does it actually say? I'd be more interested in, like, how did they talk to God? Like, the, the, the context of their conversations, the, the observations surrounding the nature of their relationship with God, for me, would be even more valuable than what did they even say or what did they learn or what did they do. And that's the opportunity we have this summer and this morning in reading the book of Psalms. The Psalms... It's not really exactly the same, okay, but it's similar. It's similar. The Psalms were not written primarily to you or to me. They're not written primarily as instruction. They're, they're conversations with God, prayers to God, songs to God, and we get to glean from them this morning. And my hope is that we learn not just something intellectually or something in terms of a discussion, but we can observe the nature of the conversation and From that, take away some keys that can help nourish our own conversations with God, our relationship with him, our communication with him. Does that sound like something you're in for this morning? Awesome. Awesome. I am going to be in Psalm 6 this morning, so feel free to make your way there. I'm going to pray for us, and then I will read it. You're welcome to keep flipping pages as I pray, but try to listen at the same time. Ready? Go. 
Lord, thank you for this morning. And God, I just thank you um, for David um, in, in authoring this psalm. And God, I just pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, we want to have a great relationship with you. We know that no one can like bear fruit apart from you. And so however fruitful David was in his life, Lord, let us see what is the overlap between him and you. Show us that relationship that we might have better relationships with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Psalm 6, starting in verse 1. By the way, this is, a, this is my Bible from sophomore year of high school. It's going on 11 years, no, 13 years. I'm hoping it lasts my whole life, so we'll see. It says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? I'm crying already. Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. No one remembers you when he is dead. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and dismayed. They will turn back in sudden disgrace. You got happy psalms and sad psalms, right? We're doing, it. We're doing a sad one this morning, guys. But here's the thing. I'm, like I said, more interested in what can we learn about David's relationship with God. I'm not really going to go into the X's and O's of have you drenched your bed with tears? Because that's the main action point. You know, like just maybe dump some water and it'll help. You know, we're, we're looking at are there some keys that we can glean from, and, and to keep it a little bit lighthearted, I need you just, just for a couple moments, just sprinkled throughout this message, to pretend that you go to a 6A high school in Texas, and you are a captain on the football team, and when I say, take the key, you're going to say, unlock, because <laughs> I've got three keys for y'all this morning that I observe from Psalm 6 that are going to empower your relationship with God. Some of y'all are about to get cut from the football team right now because I'm going to give you key number one, all right? Take the key. (laughs) We might be playing rugby in New Zealand. I don't even know it. That's good stuff, guys. Here is the first key. Share your weakness. Share your weakness. And if you want to diagram this out, each key is going to start with an S. I'll give you the first S's right now. Share, stir, settle. This isn't a recipe. These are keys. The first key, share your weakness. We see David so vulnerably express his state in verses 2 and 3 and 6 and 7. My bones are in agony. My soul's in anguish. 
And he says, you know, the drenching of his bed, the cries for mercy, his eyes grow weak, like his body is failing. How more weak could he be? And he's not trying to, like, make it sound tough at the end. Like, but then I threw my bed out and I got a new one. Like, he's like, I'm still here. You know, like, this isn't after I've learned something from it. It's desperation. It's weakness. It's humility. It's not impressive. If you're thinking, like, if you were God, you wouldn't be so impressed with this prayer. He'd be like, oh, man, like, we're about to lose David. You know, like, he's on the ropes. Come on. You know? Now, it's very possible that you have never felt this low in your life, and that's totally fine. Praise the Lord. Hopefully, you never do drench your bed with tears. But my question for y'all this morning is, how low have you felt, and have you clearly, vulnerably expressed that towards God? Have you told him your pains, your mis-expectations, your doubts, your sin? Have you let him hear about your shame, your anger, your frustration, your discouragement? Does he know your flaws? Not just because he knows, but because you've told him. What about your temptations, your insecurities? Have you processed with him your fears, your unbeliefs? For me, for the longest time, I was disillusioned by my spiritual ambition that I, I failed this, this point. I, I didn't know to share my weakness. I wanted to live for God. I wanted to be who he wanted me to be. So I'd spend my time, you know, in the morning. If I'm going to spend time with the Lord, I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray for others. I'm going to read my Bible. And some of y'all are like, what's the problem? That sounds like I want to get to that point. You know, the problem wasn't with what I was doing. The problem was with what I was excluding. Throughout my days, you know, here's quiet time, glory zone, power, subwoofer, feeling the spirit, but it's really just the subwoofer, you know. Boom. And then I go throughout my day, and I'm going to class at A&M, and all day long I'm, you know, rebuking temptations of lust. But in my alone time with God, I never really plainly acknowledged to him how difficult those days were or how enticed I was by lust. And for some reason, I kept finding myself in the same sin patterns. I counted the cost of life group leading at my church. I didn't really feel like I wanted to. It's going to take away from my time. But okay, Lord, for you, I'll do it. But I didn't really admit to him or fully acknowledge that I also really want to be respected by my peers And sometimes there's rooms that only leaders can get into, and I want to be in there. One year later, I was confessing to my peers that I hid my sin from them, and I was removed from my leadership position. I honor my elders in front of them, behind their back. But in an effort to do so, I suppressed any times where I felt hurt by them or disappointed don't want to give space to these things that I know are untrue. I'm ascending the holy hill. I'm going after the glory. And who would have thought those tiny missed expectations could turn into severe bitterness 
that took way more effort to get healed. I prayed for others regularly, but if you were to ask me, how can I pray for you? I'd been like, you know, just like more, you know, like it's good, you know, I'm following God. I'm alive. I didn't really connect with my own need for prayer. And I wonder how much more godly of a man I would be today if I didn't spend so many years trying to distance myself from areas in me that seemed ungodly. Y'all tracking with me? When we live trying to impress God by who we are, by what we do, as if it were up to our own ability to follow him, we end up avoiding the very parts of us that he came for. The sinner, the sick, the weak, the oppressed, the least. Jesus did not just come for the least of these. He came for the least of me. And the least of you. Our worst parts. That's what he paid for. I mean, he paid for all of it, right? I'm not saying don't worship and read your Bible. But I'm saying your whole life belongs to him. So whether you think it's good, whether you think he's going to like it or not, like you have to tell him. You have to give it to him. Because it belongs to him. So if you don't, you're stealing. It's his. He wants those conversations from you. He wants to talk about those parts about you that don't even know if you like him. You can tell him that. He can take it. He's not going to cut off relationship with you and be mad like someone you can think of might do. So share your weakness. Y'all ready for key number two? Take the key. Hey, y'all remember. Key number two is stir God's heart. Stir God's heart. I love David's plea in verses four and five. It says, turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. No one remembers you when he is dead. Who praises you from the grave? David's getting a little tricky in his prayer here. He's saying, God, it's in your best interest to let me live. Like, I follow you. Most people here don't. I want to expand your kingdom. Most people here don't. I want to praise you. Most people here don't. Like, if I die, that's it. I'll praise you more in heaven, but no one else is going to hear it. Like, if you want me to live for you in a way that has an impact in the world, like, God, let me live, you know? He's stirring his heart. Now, most people who are facing death would probably pray for God to save them, even if they were not a Christian. You might go ahead and just let that prayer out. But can you hear a difference between these two prayers? God, save me. I don't want to die. Lord, help me, please. God, you are a God of unfailing love. Let your love be made plain to the world because you rescued your son. Reveal yourself. Lord, deliverance is not an event for you. It's who you are. I'm not asking you to muster anything up. Just be yourself, Lord. Lord, forgive me, but God, if you save me, I'll do anything for you. Like, imagine, God, the testimonies, the prayers, the praises. Lord, let me lift your name for the rest of my life. God, save me for your glory. Other than one prayer being much longer than the other, can you see that there's a difference? Relationships are a two-way street, right? That's what I'm getting at. So, like, what's in it for God? 
Now, let me pause. Some of y'all are like triggered by that. I'm not saying that God processes his relationship with you so transactionally, like he's only interested in what's in it for him. That's not uh, the way that he uh, like operates because he's fully selfless. But he is still a him. Like he doesn't want, he has desires for you and with you. He doesn't want to be a genie and none of y'all are named Aladdin or Prince Ali, okay? Like he wants to be the head to your body, the husband to your bride, the king to your ambassador. So as you pray, as you converse with him, as you do life with him, give him what he wants. Like praise his name, tell him who he is, give him your loyalty, your trust, your intimacy, your submission, your enthusiasm, even your health and your strength and your glory, if they're connected to his glory in you, he wants. And he doesn't just want these things like generally, corporately for like the global church. Like he wants these things from you. He wants submission from you. He wants uh, to know you. So present yourself before him. Give him your side of the relationship with all you have and all you are, and just watch as his heart is moved. Like, draw near to him and see if he might draw near to you. Third key. Ready? Take the key. Unlock. Unlock. Guys, I was the worst football player I've ever known, but I had so much fun in the locker room. Like, I was, that's the only reason I was there. <laughs> Two and a half years, never recorded a single stat. No tackles, no catches, nothing. Just, I mean, just bench-warming JV and then injured before the season started, and it's just, that's it, you know? But I did one summer get the hardest worker of the summer award. And that's what we're here to talk about. Just kidding. Third key. Oh, Nice. I was just reminding myself to get back to the message. But you guys were ready. Settle on truth. Settle on truth. Verses 8 through 10 are some of the most emboldening verses in the whole Bible. Like, David is about to die. He feels like his body is failing him. And he says, away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and dismayed. They will turn back in sudden disgrace. Like, that's like the best trash talk ever. Like, when you get someone, like, okay, so I'm from Houston. I think it was in 2019 when everything went down for my favorite sports team, the Houston Texans. And what happened was we were up 24 to 0 against Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs in the playoffs. We win this game. We go to the AFC Championship game, which we've never been to before in our 21-year franchise history. Like, we are about to do it. Like, if you get Patrick Mahomes on the brink or Michael Jordan on the brink, like, they're about to lose. David's about to die. And then they just look up at you like, watch this. It's like, oh, no. Like, I thought you were tired. Like, 
You haven't subbed out all game. Like, oh, oh, he's right. I know he's right. I know he's right. They beat us like 50 to 24. It was not like we didn't do anything. We were just like, here's the ball. Go take. Okay, I'm sorry for thinking that I could beat you. You know, like, ah, that's what Christian wanted to do to me in disc golf. But I sealed that deal. But the point of what I'm saying is, no matter what happens, God is good. He is who he says he is. He wins. And so I'm saying settle on truth. Like, no matter how desperately you share your weakness with him or how enthusiastically you stir your heart, settle on truth. Like, no matter whether you have a life like Job or a life like Job's second life, or Joseph, like, settle on truth. Your allegiance to God, the reality of who God is, the validity of God's promises, they are not conditional on the results of your circumstances. Like, I believe that David believed what he wrote in verses 8 through 10, but the catch is it's true even if he was wrong because there's an eternal redemption and resurrection for the people of God. Like, even if he did die, he can't die forever. Like, he's coming back, you know? Like, he, the enemy can't win, even if you feel like in a specific situation, he does. God is not bound by our circumstances. He's bound to truth, though. So he won't depart from there. So if you settle there and hold your circumstances a little bit more loosely, then you'll be with God. But if you, if you subvert God to only the circumstance you're thinking about, then you risk leaving God and holding on to the circumstance. Truth is where we're going to find him in eternity. And eternity is so much greater of a priority for us than the next couple decades. Okay, so each of these points could totally be its own sermon. I would really love to give you super practical examples about what I'm talking about. I don't have the time to do that, but what I do want to do real quick is have you guys real quick think about which of the three keys that you want a little bit more of that you're like, if that could go from my, you know, garage safe to like actually on my key ring, like I want to wield that key. I need some more of that key because I found some doors in my house that I can't open and maybe it's that key. Like which of the three... Are you like, man, I want to grow in that? And now, think about if there's someone you know or know of that, at least from your perspective, you feel like they're kind of strong in that area. Whether it's stirring God's heart, settling on truth, sharing their weakness. Like, who's someone that you're like, man, I, I could learn from them. Before you leave this building, would you shoot them a text? And say, hey, could I give you a call at some point in the next three months? Like, seriously, I don't want to be a burden. But, like, whenever it works. Now, if y'all all text Mitchell, okay, it's going to take some time. And I know he's an excellent guy. He looks excellent. He communicates excellently. Like, so manly and godly. But you can't all just text Mitchell. You got to think about some different people, guys. I know. Y'all are all like, oh, man. Just kidding. Um, text them. Ask them. Can I pick your brain? Can I, I just want to hear your testimony. Like, can I ask you a couple questions? Hey, I'm trying to grow in 
being vulnerable to God and accepting my weakness. I feel like you're so secure. How do you do that? How do you know he won't reject you? Like, was it hard at first? Like, what was the breakthrough moment? Just ask him whatever you want to ask him. But I promise you, well, I can't really promise, but probably very few people, whoever you're thinking of, probably very few people have ever asked them to do that. Like, most people don't do that, even if they're, like, really well-known as strong in this area, you know? You know? (laughs) Need to get back on the football team real quick. All right. So, as we close, wait a minute. Guys, we missed something. What's this? What's this little text under Psalm 6 before verse 1? For the director of music with stringed instruments. Wait a minute, guys. I think we unlocked a fourth key this morning. Take the key. That is to sing. Sing. Guys, Psalm 6, we did this whole thing wrong. I should just flip my own table. We said it. We didn't sing it. We're supposed to have stringed instruments for Psalm 6. I am actually being serious. I'm going to talk on this fourth point real quick. To sing. Singing rallies troops. Singing melts hearts. Singing evokes dancing. Singing elicits agony. Like singing connects, unlocks, opens a place in our heart that discussion just can't. It won't. And maybe more importantly than any of that, singing like registers more potently in your memory. I do not remember every conversation Megan and I had in 2014 when we started dating, but I guarantee you, I remember the time on her back porch when I wrote her a song and sang it to her, okay? <laughs> Wanted to write you a lot song. Yeah, I just used a tune and I made my own lyrics, okay? So David is described after a man, as a man after God's heart. But it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? The answer is chicken. It's not that hard of a question. But with David, like God didn't create eggs. He created animals like, come on, just read the Bible. <laughs> which came first for David? Did he just love so, God so much that he just, he started singing? Was he just so emotional that He just always found himself singing? Or did he sing so much that it caused him to love God? Was he singing so often that every now and then he's like, wait a minute, I got to write that down. That was good. And now we got psalms. Or was he, I got to make more psalms. God loves psalms. And then the emotions came. I bet you it's a little bit of both, okay? But probably he started singing before he felt everything that he sang. And what I'm trying to tell you is that if you sing things that you don't even feel, it will still access something deeper than if you never did. And don't tell me you're a good singer, because I'm not talking about performing for other people. I'm saying you singing to God. It's okay if no one hears you. It's okay if everyone hears you. I want to encourage you to sing to him. Sing prayers. Sing Bible verses. Sing prayers inspired by verses. Sing worship inspired by prayers. Like, just sing. I have dozens and dozens of recordings of myself singing 
that some of them guys are just real bad. Like, I started doing this before I knew how to play a chord and sing at the same time. So the recording would be like me just trying to strum G. I wasn't even changing a chord. Now I know four chords <laughs> ten years later. But I was just, I was strum G for like 20 minutes. And then I'd stop. And then I'd sing. And then I'd strum again. I mean, it was like bad. But I was like, I got to figure this out. I, like, I need the stringed instruments and I need to sing, okay? So I actually do want to give you guys an example of what I'm talking about to make it as practical as possible because I actually really want you to tap into this fourth key. So I'm going to sing in a sec with a stringed instrument. Let me give you a little bit of backstory real quick. Earlier this spring, I was spending time with God, came across Psalm 6, and I read it, and it really touched my heart. And guys, if Psalm 6 touches your heart, you're not doing too great, okay? (laughs) And I wasn't. I'm still not doing too great, but I did do some leg press this morning, like I told you, so I'm doing better than I was. I'll spare you all the details, but 506 pounds, okay? Like, I pulled my bicep doing leg press. I'm like, I really am putting everything in this. Okay, back to the message. I'll spare you all the details, but basically four years now, I've been battling anxiety. That For the first couple years, I didn't even know I was battling anxiety. I'm just spending a bunch of money on medical professionals that tell me nothing's wrong, putting cameras up my nose and stuff. But seriously, like heart racing, throat closing, stomach pain, dizziness, passing out, nausea, gaining 40 pounds of weight, like it has been so hard. And it'd be easier if it's like, Lord, I know I'm being punished because this is the thing that I did wrong and I receive your punishment. It's harder when it's like the things that feel uh, triggering or like the circumstances that feel like contributed to this circumstance were related to me following God. Like, Lord, you asked me to do that. So, like, why am I here? David's like, Lord, I'm trying to be a king that worships you, and everyone's trying to kill me. Like, if I didn't follow you, I wouldn't be about to die right now, you know? And so I read Psalm 6, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Someone has felt how I feel. This is amazing. And so I read it, and then I went to grab my guitar, played some chords, And I'm like, we're going to sing a song that's kind of Psalm 6, but not exactly Psalm 6. Because I think think basically that God wants me to receive more from this. And the only way to receive more is not just learning, but it's also connecting your heart with God in relationship with him. Y'all tracking? Okay, so I want to play y'all that song. I'm not a worship leader or singer. I still don't really know how to play chords and sing at the same time that good. I also might cry during the song. I'll try to, like, repeat it if I do so you can hear it. But we'll have the lyrics. And I would encourage y'all, instead of just, like, internally processing whether I'm doing good or bad, like, if y'all want to keep Psalm 6 open and read the lyrics and just, like, try to see, like, how many of these lyrics you can tie to something that David wrote. Because that's really what I'm getting at. I'm not saying... You need to feel a lot of feelings and then sing a song from that feeling. Um, What I'm saying is the easiest place to start is just open the Bible, 
read a couple verses, and then if you don't know any chords, I bet there are plenty of loops on YouTube of just like GC, play, two hours. Okay, Lord, here I am. You don't, you don't have to take two hours, but it might take you a while before you're like, okay, how do I like sing this? Maybe if I make that word a synonym, maybe those would rhyme. Okay, let's do that. You know, like, I want you guys to envision, like, could you actually do this? Because it is going to benefit your relationship with him. We can have the band come on up, but they're not Okay, just because it's a little easier flow-wise. But, um, yeah, feel free to process with the Lord. Read Psalm 6. See what this could look like in your life. I'm going to turn this mic off, and I'm going to come up over this guy. Yeah, check, check. Uh, yeah. Is this on yet? Nice. Is it really on? Y'all hear me? Okay. <laughs> Victor, I think I need your in-ears. Um. Up before. I've never had a spark. <laughs> this is crazy, guys. This is already so much uh, better produced, man. So if you put the capo higher up, that's better than putting the capo. I always hug it. Ah, yo, my quiet times are about to get legit. Yeah, so, Lord, would you use this? God, just speak to us. And God, I just, this is so embarrassing for me, and I just really hope that, God, people sing to you more than they would have if I didn't do this.
was that? <laughs> I've never sung in a mic. It's all so distracting. It's a little different. Sounds better in my car for sure. <laughs> so guys, we're going to respond this morning. Seriously, you don't have to write a whole song. Just the first Bible verse song I wrote, I think was based on uh, when Peter asked God or Jesus how many times Will you, should I forgive? Or how many times do you forgive? He says, 70 times, 70 times. And my first song was, how many times do you forgive your children? Seven times, 70 times. How great is the measure of your forgiveness? It's covering every crime. And I would just sing that again and again because I was so offended at someone that I didn't want to forgive because they missed a discipleship meeting. My capacity for mercy has expanded a little bit since then. But I was like, I'm kicking you out, dude, for sure. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. All right. So we're going to close. I know it's summer, okay? It's a happy time. My apologies for picking a sad psalm, all right? But these are not things that only apply when you're sad, okay? You can share your weakness, at least one little tiny disappointment of, like, the ice cream that you tasted that it could have been, like, a little bit better. Like, seriously, just whatever your weakness is, Share it. Stir God's heart with a smile on your face. It doesn't have to be a sad stirring. Settle on truth in a way that makes you want to dance on it. Like, it doesn't have to be sad, okay? No matter how high you are, how low you are, like, I want you um, to take these keys and unlock something with it in your, com- in your communication, your conversation with God. Sound good? Awesome. Uh, for ministry time, you guys can... Uh, can do what you do. I'll start getting out of your way. Um, But yeah, if you want to take this time to shoot that text to someone that you know that maybe they have something that could help you or some experience in one of these areas, feel free to do that. If you want to sing, 
That's already one of the four keys, so you can sing in this time. Uh, prayer team, if you guys want to come on forward, um, we'd love to have some people up here just to pray. If you want to receive prayer for anything I talked about or just anything you're going through, uh, man, we'd love for you guys to receive prayer this morning. And I'm going to pray for us. We'll get into it. So, Lord, thank you uh, for this morning. And, God, just pray that, that we would know you more and more and more and more for as long as we live. And so, God, would you just draw near to us, God, whatever we have to give you. We just give it to you this morning. We want to know you. We want to walk with you. God, thank you for summer and happiness and those things. God, lift our spirits today. On all of us, we can just start standing. If you want to end up sitting back down, you totally can. But let's just take a minute to respond to the Lord.